careful, friends. Let's be careful what we pray for. Oh, God, you're so great. Surely that means that I should never experience any kind of trials. And if you would, just hold up your end of the bargain. The reason I became a Christian, by the way, is so that I wouldn't have any more pain or suffering in this world and in my life. Friends, the Word of God tells us that in this world we will have tribulation. But our hope comes from the fact that He has overcome the world. Jesus Christ said so. And so what we need to understand is, what are the purpose of our trials? We are finishing this morning this this series on prayer, and I want to encourage you again to make sure you go on the website, check our social media, be sure that you get this week's prayer request, and be praying every single day. Our prayer uh, fasting day of fasting is fast approaching again in the month of February, and we'll talk more about that next week. Uh, but today, as we finish this series on prayer to jumpstart us, uh, I, I want us to be mindful of the realities in which we have to pray. Last week, we talked about the fact that we can pray even when we're afraid, in the midst of our fear. And uh, if you got your Bible, go ahead and open it up, and let's do a quick review. Last week, we were in Daniel 2, and uh, our... our, our Example here, Daniel was in deep trouble along with his friends because the Nebuchadnezzar determined that he wanted someone not, he had a dream and he wanted someone not only to tell him what his dream was, but how to interpret it. And so in their fear, uh, Daniel's friends prayed for him and the gift he got, uh, the supernatural gift, Daniel 117, to, to know visions and to interpret them was put to work. And so praying through that fear, it, it encouraged and strengthened their faith so that they could deal with the trial that they're that they're going to that we're going to study about today. You got to understand, friends. God continues to take us through our fears. He continues to work through trials. It's a part of His plan. What He's doing is He's strengthening our faith. And so, what what I pray that you received last week, you're able to build on it this week. And, and as you're praying through and you're seeing the hand of God work that your faith is encouraged so that you're not trusting in your circumstances to give you your sense of value and, and significance and security, but you're trusting in the in the one true God who can provide that. And you got to understand, in order to, to get us to have an authentic faith, the Lord is going to provide and allow us to go through trials. Writing to the first century church on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, the Apostle Peter said this to the church dispersed in First Peter uh, chapter 1, uh, beginning in uh, verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. You're going to be, you're going to go through trials. Why? So that the tested, uh, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, though it perishes, though, though gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, I'm learning to read again, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, so some of you are wondering this question. I know. Why am I going through this? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my child? Why is this happening to this person I care about? Why is this happening in, in Marshall County? Why is this happening to this poor family? This kid's just, just he's playing in the snow. Why is this happening? Why, why do I have to face trials? Here's why. Because the Lord teaches us to trust Him through trials. And we, we gain a genuine faith as the Lord meets us in the fire, as we'll see in our text today. As He meets us in the midst of our trial, we learn, rather than trusting in idols, to trust Him. 
And, and friends, that's the thing we have to understand. As we're going through trials, we're always going to be tempted to trust in ourselves, other people, other things, anything other than Jesus. We will always be tempted to fall into idolatry. So, writing to the church at Corinth, again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul comforts and encourages the people, and now us, with this truth. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 12. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from from idolatry. What is he talking about here? He's talking about the fact that we are all going to face trials of various kinds. And he is going to be with us. And he's never going to give us anything that Jesus can't handle. And, and what we will be tempted to do is to trust in an idol, trust in a physical thing. Now, I know, I know when you hear that word idol, there's something that, that sets off in us that makes us a little smug because we think we're so sophisticated that we're not like those, you know, those ancient goopy people who would build, you know, a golden something or make something and then bow down to it and, and trust and worship that idol. But can I just go ahead and bust your little bubble? Everybody in this room is tempted to trust in idols. And, and when I talk about idols, most of the time, I'm not talking about things that are sinful. Now, I recognize fully that there are sinful idols, things that we can trust in, 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 in drugs, alcohol, pornography, um, all kinds of sin, uh, letting out your anger, doing all kinds of taking powerful, just doing things that hurt other people because you are, I get that, you get that, we get that. There's all kinds of those kinds of idols, of, of, of ranges of behavior that we can think are going to make us feel better and heal what's broken inside of our hearts. You know what the real danger I find in my own life and on what I see in our congregation? It is not the bad things, as bad as they are. We can typically spot those. You know what the big danger for most of us is? Are the good things God has given to us. And what we often want to do is that we want to take the good things and make them the ultimate things. That is idolatry. Whatever you're counting on to give you value, significance, and security, that is your God. And if it is not Jesus Christ, you have to understand, you have fallen into the sin of idolatry. And so the Apostle Paul there, right into the church of Corinth says, listen, I'm, I'm writing to this to you so that you're not, so you don't fall. If you think you're beyond this, if you think you're bigger than this, you're in danger. You have to understand, you are prone, we are prone to fall into idolatry. And what idolatry typically is, is taking a good thing and making it an ultimate thing and saying, if I can't have this, then I'm not going to be able to live well. I'm not even going to have a life. So there's some of you sitting here right now who are are single and you're saying, if I can't get married, then I may as well, I I don't have a life. I I can't live well. Some of you are sitting right here and you're saying, if I can't have children, then I can't live well. So he's saying, if I can't get to a certain weight, if I can't have a certain look, if I can't get a certain gadget, if I can't get a certain promotion, I can't get a certain car, if I can't get a certain house, if I can't have a certain person affirm me or like me or have mom and dad tell me how great I am, if I can't have these things, then I can't live well. I, I, I you know, my, my life is, is, is basically over. That is idolatry. Anytime you trust in anything other than Jesus Christ to give you value, significance, 
and security. You've fallen into idolatry. And we have to be so careful because there are so many good things that are not God. And they clamor for our attention and our trust. And we think, if I can just get enough money, if I can just get that security in, in finances, if I could just get that look, if I could just... All those things are idols. Have you ever wondered why the first commandment of the Big Ten Commandments is the first one? Let me tell you something, guys. If you'll get what God's Word says today, everything else in your life, in terms of your relationship with God and your life, will fall into line and fall into order. If you don't get this, it's not. There's a reason why the first commandment is the first commandment. You say, okay, what is the first commandment? <laughs> Exodus 20, let me just tell you, it is, you shall have no other gods before me. If you get the first commandment, you'll, you'll keep all the other nine. You'll keep all the, you'll keep the, the, both the letter and the spirit of the law. If you will not, if you will make only the God, your God, Jesus Christ, your God, and not trust in anything else, then you will live a life under the blessing and under the authority and entrusting obedience to God. If not, you're going to fall into idolatry. Again, idolatry is taking a good thing and making it the main thing of my life. Making it what, what drives my sense of security, my sense of value, my sense of significance. Now, that, now, the way you know that something has become an idol is that you think you can't live without it. You think that this is going to fix all your problems. You think if you can get something outside of you, something going on, if you can just get all this, whatever this is for you, then I'm saved and then I'm going to be okay. That is idolatry. There's only one who saves, and that is Jesus Christ. He alone will give you the sense of value, the security, and, and, and the significance that your that your soul demands, and that you desire, and that you are pursuing, and that you want to have in your life, and so we've got to see how it is, how it is we can pray through the trial, and and, and avoid falling into idolatry. You got your Bible and hope that you do. I want you to look in Daniel chapter three with me. Now, what's going on in Daniel 3? Now, remember, last week we saw that King Nebuchadnezzar had had a dream. And in that dream, there was a statue. There was a t- At the top of the statue, it was a golden head. And Daniel said, in the interpretation, you're the golden head. Well, that's gone to his head. And so now, what Nebuchadnezzar wants is he wants everybody to worship him. Because he's the golden head. So he's made a golden statue, 90 feet high. And, and 9 feet in width. I mean, this thing's massive. And basically what he's saying is, okay, I'm awesome. Everybody acknowledge him. And and what he's really doing is he is solidifying his power over over his realm. And and make sure you understand what's going on here. Nebuchadnezzar is saying, I don't care what you believe. I don't care what you think or feel. You keep all that to yourself, but you subjugate it ultimately to what I tell you to do. We live in a culture where that is happening every single day. We live in a culture that says, hey, you want to believe in Jesus? Fine. You want to believe in Whatever. As long as you are subject to what we say really is value, really is powerful, really is what matters. So here we have this king who's saying, okay, everyone bow down and worship this image 
and, and understand my authority. Now, the, the Chaldeans were jealous of the Jews who would not submit to this idolatry. So they tell on them. So Nebuchadnezzar says, okay, here's the deal. You don't bow down, you're going to, you're going to burn. I'm going to throw you into a fire and I'm going to kill you. Now look at their response. If you catch your Bible again, let's go to Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 and 18. Let's all stand together because this is kind of the hinge verse. Uh, Savannah's going to come and read for us. Savannah, come on up. Daniel chapter 3, they've been threatened. They know what's at stake. Now, look what, look what these brothers say. Uh, Savannah, read for us, 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you set up. The word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Savannah. If you would, go ahead and be seated. You guys know this, but let me remind you, this is how the world works. The world and all the power brokers of this world want to say to us, either overtly or passively, value what we value, worship what we worship, do what we tell you to do. Externally bow to what we say matters. If not, we're going to get you. We're going to come after you. And one of the real challenges that we have in our culture right now, there are so many people who are depressed. And there there are so many people who feel so lonely and excluded and on the outside because because we're all able now to see 24-7 how it is we don't, the world is telling us you don't measure up. I, I love social media, but I also know it's very dangerous. Because I know that, that you know, it used to be when I was a kid, you know, you'd be at school and people were mean to you, you dealt with teachers, you dealt with everything, you're not invited to the party, you can't come, you can't come, you're part of the cool kids. You know, you, you know for me, I go to football practice, hit somebody, and then I go home. And, and I'm at home, and I don't know what everybody else is doing. And I don't care. Do you know what our kids have to do? You know what moms and dads have to do? You know, there are a lot of us in this room. You know what happens? People go home, and then they get on social media, and they say, look how cool they are. Look at how great their life is. Look how happy they are. Look at all the things they have. I don't measure up. And more than that, it's really interesting. The medical society has put this out. People are beginning to literally getting a bow posture to their social media. Isn't that interesting? We are literally becoming a people that are bowing down to the idol of our culture. Again, the problem is not just social media. It's not just, that, that's, that's kind of the way it's manifesting itself. But here are the idols. Let me, let me go ahead and just unleash you. Some of you heard me teach on this before. Here are the four idols of the United States of America. Pleasure, popularity, possessions, and power. Our culture and our power brokers and the people of influence in the movie industry, the media, and politics, and, and in your classroom and at your workplace, in your home, and your neighbor, put that back up, put that back up. This is what they're saying to us. It's what they're saying. Look, you want security. You want to feel value. You want to have a sense of significance. You better have pleasure. 
Look, ooh, ooh, they got to go to the beach. Ooh, look how happy their life. Oh, they got a new whatever. Oh, look how pretty. Look how they met. Look how great their life is. They've got pleasure. They've got power. Look at all the people who think they're important. Look at how popular they are. My goodness, 5,000 friends. They must be very popular. Oh, look how many likes they got on their picture. Why don't I get more likes? Am I really? Is it really? Oh, what, what is this? It's idolatry. What we're saying, what we're seeing from the, from the influences of our culture is, hey, you're supposed to have pleasure, popularity, possessions, and power. Every day we, we see these images, and there are many of you who are depressed today because you're, you're, you're feeling and you're saying, I don't measure up. I don't have what they have. I'm missing out. My life is empty. I don't have the security. Can I just tell you, the world is lying to us. And that junk cannot provide what we need. The Bible is, is telling us clearly. John, 1 John chapter 2, 16 and 17. Look what the Bible says. For all that is in the world, power, pleasure, popularity, possessions, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. They're idols. And the world is passing away. The idols will pass away with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Idols pass away. God stands forever. See, th- these idols, these things, they, they, they want to tell us, I can fix you. I-, I can give you. If you've got the right power, pleasure, popular possessions, then, then you'll have what you want. And that's a lie. That is a lie. I know some of you are sitting there you're saying, Pastor, you don't understand. I really want this. I really want to have this kind of life. I want to have this thing. Is it a bad thing? No, but if you make it an ultimate thing, it's become an idol. And, and I'm begging you, I'm telling you, trust in Christ alone. Because if you will, three things you're going to get. And, and I, uh, I just, real quick, it, it, the Bible tells you that in Jesus, in Him, you have a purpose. Matthew 5, 14, you're the light of the world. You get to be a part of the answer to the problem. You, you, have, you have a place. Galatians uh, 2, 26 through 28, you are all one in Christ Jesus. Uh, you are all sons of God. Family, you belong. Not only do you have a purpose that is eternal and its significance, you belong to the family of God. We belong to one another because we belong to God Almighty through faith in Christ. We are made adopted children of the Almighty. Isn't that awesome? And, and there's no created thing that can give us that. Only God can give us that in His grace. Not only do we have, not only have a purpose, not only do we have a place to belong, but we, but we have a plan. God has a plan for us. Think about this. For we are His workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. God has a plan for our lives. He made you a certain way, put you in a certain circumstance. He knows what you need, and He's got a plan for what you're going through. It's called your destiny. He has a destiny for you. You've got to find and fulfill it in Christ. Worldly things, the things of this world, they won't do it. Daniel and his three friends, Daniel, these three friends of Daniel, they were living in a broken world, and they were being told to bow to the idol of Babylon. We are living in a broken world, and we are being told, bow to the idol of pleasure, bow to the idol of power, bow to the idol of possessions, bow to the idol of popularity, or else you don't have a life worth living. And that is a lie. Friends, we got to wake up. We have to wake up to the reality of idolatry, and we've got to we've got to get through this trial. 
understand the trial. I know many of you know the story in Daniel chapter 3. You know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so many times what we've been wrongly taught is that the trial is getting through the fire. No, no, no. The fire is the means to meet Jesus. The trial is idolatry. The real issue here is what are you, who are you going to trust to save you? See, understand when we reject the world and live by faith, when we have an authentic biblical faith, there's certain things we're going to do. The first one is this. In our broken world, with authentic biblical faith, we will reject idolatry. We reject it. We see it for what it is and we reject it. Now, verse 15 may be one of the most important questions you will ever ask of yourself. Maybe the most important question in Scripture. Look in Daniel chapter 3, verse 15. And if that's your Bible, underline this question. And who is the God who will deliver you? Who is the God who will deliver you? What are you counting on to save you? Power, pleasure, popularity, possessions? Who will deliver you? See, I'm going to tell you something about idols and false redeemers. What they teach is, if you'll get the outside fixed, then the inside will be better. And that is a lie. What, what they offer is an external fix that will never satisfy the eternal longing of your soul. So, so what, what do idols do? They cover the bro- brokenness, but they never fix it. You know, think about, we were talking uh, with some parents and talking about how uh, when children get sick and, and your carpet and you have a choice... You can cover the smell, or you can remove what's causing the smell. You got two options. You can get some chemicals that will cover over the stink for a while, or you can actually have it clean. Here's what idolatry says. Oh, don't worry about what's causing the stink. Let's just cover it. They, they, they can't fix it. They can't cleanse it. And, and, and then the, the idol says, you know what? Just worry about how things appear. Don't don't worry about what's really going on. You know, it's like, again, with children. Clean your room. You go to the room. Hey, it looks pretty good. What's under your bed? Oh, so you didn't clean your room. You just hid all the stuff. And that's what that's what idolatry, that's what our culture is telling us. Listen, just hide your shame. Hide. Get your dirty little secret. Keep your dirty little secret. Let's don't get free from that sin. Let's don't be liberated. Let's, let's just hide it. Okay? Let's don't deal with what's making us dirty and causing the stench. Let's just hide our dirty little secrets. And, and then it, it, it tells us, don't worry about your desires. Just try to hone them in so nobody notices. Don't worry about your, your desires. You know, just kind of go on a diet every now and then and look like you're living a healthy life even though you're not. Just kind of look like you are for a little while. And, and then, when, you know, you can kind of loosen up every now and then when nobody's really looking. We don't have to put a babysitter on. And, and then it, it'll, be, it'll be okay. And what it basically saying is, don't worry about your desires. Just go on a diet every now and then. That's not what God does for us. Go over real quick to, uh, you're in Daniel. Go to the left over to, to Ezekiel real quick. I'm going to show you what God does for us. I'm going to show you what Jesus does. Jesus alone can do. Most of you are probably familiar with, with Ezekiel 36, 26, but do you know 25 and 27 as well? Let me show you what Jesus alone can do. He doesn't just cover over the stench. He cleans it. He cleans us. Look at this, Ezekiel 36, look what it says in verse 25. 
I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. What does he say? He said, I- I'm not I'm not just going to pretend like and, and, and just get the stink of your sin so you don't have to. I'm going to cleanse you. When Jesus Christ died for our sins, he died to cleanse us from sin. More than that, he gives us a new, a, a new feeling, a new, a new way of, of, of addressing reality. Ezekiel 36, 26, and I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. He not only, he not only washes us clean, he gives us a new heart. And then he gives us a new desire. And it's supernatural. He does it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 27. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. What, what God does for us is what no other thing can do. He comes in. Cleanses us. He washes away that shame. He washes away that sin. He gives us a new heart, a new reason to live. And He gives us a new desire by the power of the Holy Spirit that is alive. He is alive in us, working. Idols can't do that. Idols are all things out here with the idea hey, if I fix what's going on out here, it'll fix what's in here. And it's a lie, it never gets in here. But Jesus says, I'm going to get in. And I'm going to change you from the inside out. Jesus delivers us. Now, understand in our broken world, and write it down, authentic biblical faith will have consequences. So, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they make their great speech. And the king throws them in the fire. Please understand. Please understand, if your faith does not impact your decisions, if your faith does not impact your relationships, if your faith does not impact the passions of your heart that drive your decisions, then you you may not have an authentic faith. I don't, I don't want to cause anyone to, to doubt their salvation. What I do want to do is make sure you actually have an authentic biblical faith that will save you. And understand, if your faith doesn't impact your decisions and your passions and the way you live your life, it's probably not real. So here are these guys who, who have a genuine, authentic faith. And you know what they say? We will not bow to your idol. We are going to make a decision based on our faith. We are not going to succumb to this temptation. Our God is greater. And if he wants to save us from you, that's his business. But if not, we will not give up our security. We will not give up our significance. We will not give up our eternal value in exchange for something cheap that will not last or satisfy eternally. Friends, that is what the, what, what the believer says. Now, now, when you start acting like this and you start talking like this, you start believing like this, you've got to understand the world is going to come against you. The world is going to come against you and say, deny your faith. Deny your faith. Listen, we don't care if you believe in Jesus. Just don't say that Hindus and Muslims and seculars and everybody else is wrong. Just say everybody's right and, and act like everything's okay. That's what, that's what Nebuchadnezzar was doing. He was saying, I don't care if you've got your little deity from Jerusalem. We don't care. You put what we say first. And what they're basically saying in our context today is call Jesus a liar. Because Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me.
me. That is an exclusive truth claim. And what our society is saying is, hey, don't say that Jesus is the only way. Say that there's always the God, which, by the way, is an exclusive truth claim. <laughs> what they're saying is, our truth claim trumps your truth claim. And what the world is going to say is, don't, don't, do not count on Christ. And if you do, we're going to seek to silence you. And we're going to try to hurt you. Don't talk about Jesus at work. We'll fire you. Don't talk about Jesus at school. We'll embarrass you. Don't, don't talk about Jesus. Just go along with what the rest of your friends are drinking and talking like and living like. Don't stand up for Jesus or we will ruin your reputation. We will humiliate you. We will hurt you. You will not get all the great Instagram pictures that the rest of us have. You won't be invited to the parties. You won't be. You won't have that, that, that sense of that you're better than everybody else. Either you yield and you bow to our idols or we will take you out. Is that not what our culture is saying? Here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Nebuchadnezzar saying, bow or I will take you they say we can't do it. We can't give up our security. We can't give up our significance. We, we can't give that up. So he throws them in the fire. Now here's, don't miss the gospel here, guys. Do not miss the gospels. So there they are. They get thrown in the fire. And it's there that we experience Jesus. It's right in the middle of that trial. It's right in the middle of that death. The self that we meet Jesus. Write it down, make sure you understand. In our broken world, authentic biblical faith will experience Jesus. It's when we get thrown out. It's when we get trampled on. It's when we're at that, that threshold of that threat. Right in the middle of it. We meet Jesus. Look in verse 24. This is hilarious. So there they are in the fire. King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound in the fire? They answered and said to the king, Yup, true, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. What happened? It's called a Christophany. It is the appearance of Jesus before the incarnation, before his virgin birth. Son of God showed up in the fire. Friends, listen to me. If you will refuse to yield to the idols of our culture, and if you will die to yourself, Jesus will meet you in that death and he'll give you a whole new life. How different do you think Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego were when they walked out of that fire? I mean, how awesome is that? You hope they weren't too arrogant, but you know they had to be stepping high. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. You see my uh, Lord and Savior there? He's with me. I'm with him. And that's going to last forever, old king. Here's good news, guys, and I don't want you to miss the gospel on this. This powerful. God turned away from Jesus on the cross when he was in the fire. God abandoned him. 
Why? So that we could turn to Him in our trials. Friends, don't miss this. Remember what Jesus said as He died on the cross? The most important thing Jesus ever said to reveal to us the power of the gospel. This is Matthew 26, verse 40, I'm sorry, 27, verse 46. About the ninth hour, right before He died, with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In this moment, write this verse down, 2 Corinthians 5.21 became a reality. He who knew no sin became sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. God turned away from the Son and the wrath of God was poured on Him so that our sin debt, what, what sin cost, would be paid out in Him. He died. On the third day, he, he arose. Now, He is the living Savior, and if we will trust in Him, our, our sin is washed away. We are given His heart. We gain a new life. He is with us always to the very end of the age. And we can now approach the throne of grace with confidence. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Some of you, friends, I love you, but I want to tell you something. I'm just going to be honest with you. You're wasting this. Jesus suffered the cross so that you and I would have access to the Father. Not just so that we would be saved eternally from sin. Not just so that we would be washed, but so that we would have a new life, so that we would have access to the Father. But you know what? If you're honest, and I challenge you to be honest right now, if you're honest, many of you are saying, I don't have time to pray. I'm so important that I have to be so busy because if I'm not, the world will come to an end. When you don't pray, what you're saying is, I'm more powerful and important than God. Jesus paid the ultimate price so that we would have access to the Father. Washed, new heart, new purpose, new life, free from the idols of this world to have the one true God that we can call on in our time of need. And here's what I know about everybody in this room. You are being tempted with an idol today. Some of you have been bowing your knee to an idol, and it's time to stand up, repent, turn away, and look to Jesus. I can tell you what it looks like. It looks like this. It looks like saying, no matter what my circumstances are, I will trust in Jesus. You tell me what it looks like. It looks like, no matter what happens, I can say, it is well with my soul. If you need your life to look a certain way, to have certain things, to, to go the way, you know, the rest of the world apparently believes what a winning way is to have peace. You have no hope. But if you can say, I can trust in Jesus in the trial. I can trust in Jesus in the fire. 
I can trust that He has the plan. I can trust that He loves me. I can trust in Him. And you can say, and you can go through anything and say, it is well with my soul. Can't you say that, friends? If not, I want, to, I want to challenge you to come get on your knees and say, Lord, give me authentic biblical faith. I want you to stand with me. I want you to think for just a moment. Think for just a moment. Are you trusting in anything other than Jesus? Has an idol slept, snuck in, as it just kind of it found its way into your heart. No earthly created thing can give you the security and the significance and the eternal value that you are except Jesus Christ. Stop trusting in other things. Bow your head with me. Father, right now, would you reveal to us our idols? Would you show us where we don't trust you, where we trust ourselves, where we trust other things that are passing away? Would you give us the faith that is able to say, no matter what I go through, it's well with my soul. I know some right now are going through stuff. Give them the faith right now to trust you and say, Lord God, I'm going to trust you. I don't need pleasure. I don't need power. I don't, I don't need possessions. I don't need popularity. I need Jesus. Lord, I know some here have friends and family. They know are trusting in idols that need your grace. Would you please now hear their prayer as they seek your divine intervention for their life. Just in the spirit of prayer, if you want to come pray, come pray.